Good morning, everybody. How's it going today? You guys doing good? Man, that video is so cool. I love that music. It's been stuck in my head for like a week since we played it last time. Mm, mm. How many of you really try to get your groove on, but uh, people are like, get your groove off. <laughs> Turn it off. Whatever you started, stop it. You know, just end it right there. I am in my 30s now, and uh, you know, at some point you cross that threshold of not caring about what people think about you or how you look. You start having kids and they just judge everything about you, you know, and they're like, you look weird, dad. You're kind of heavy. They come and poke my belly and it jiggles. And I'm like, stop, that's, in a, don't do that anymore. I do have a problem with this, but you know, <laughs> the other day my wife was like looking at me and I thought she must think I'm really <laughs> all that, you know? And she's like, you have a hair coming out of your ear. <laughs> it's a rite of passage. Come on. What's the use of getting old if you can't scare people with hair coming out of places. You know what I mean? Pretty awesome. So I'm like, just leave it. I need to embrace my destiny of who I'm made to be. Man, I'm so excited to be here today. Hey, give yourself a pat on the back because you lost an hour of sleep, but you are still at church here. Come on, pat yourself on the back. Give yourself, you know, I think the world suffers from a chronic lack of encouragement. How many of you, you know, there's a lot of people willing to tell you what you're doing wrong and where you can get better. But sometimes you just got to be like, you know, we gave up an hour of sleep and we're still at church. We're doing a pretty good job today. We're off to a good start. Yes. You know, I myself um, am against this whole springing forward thing. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, I want to invite you to join my vision of a world without spring forward where we exclusively fall back. Exclusively fall back. No more springing forward, only falling back. And we're going to let other people figure out the ramifications of that on the clock and the calendar and the, all of that. But I just, to me, getting an hour back is better than losing one. And I think we could just go fall back, fall back, fall back. Pretty soon you're like, why is it dark? Are we in Alaska? This isn't how it's supposed to be. And then we just, we are in control. Did you know this? Like we have the right to like say, well, we're going to decide it's this time now. So this could work, you guys. I might be a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Come on. You, you. Join with me here on this platform. I'm going to be running for city council. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> but what are, what, are your, what are your vision for our schools? Don't know anything about schools. Don't know anything about public safety. My platform is eradicating spring forward. Probably a better political agenda than a lot of people uh, have uh, that one there. But anyways, we'll leave that for someone else to figure out. Well, you guys, we're starting a brand new series, and I'm really excited about it talking about loving our neighbors. It's called Meet the Neighbors. And how many of you know that it's one thing to kind of love people out there, and it's another thing to love the people that are here, that are close by, right? And it's interesting because you think about the world right now, you know, everybody for the most part is pro-love. Like how many people are like, we need more love in the world, right? If you're against that, Somebody get him a cup of coffee. You know what I mean? They, pro-love. How many of you are like, yeah, more love in the world would be a good thing. More love in my neighborhood. More love in my marriage. More love with my kids. More love in our church. More love would be better, right? And, and most people tend to actually agree with this idea. The problem is, or where it gets kind of sticky is in the application of this idea, isn't it? Because everybody has either a different definition of love or a different idea of the way that they need to be loved and how others should be expressing love. And it's in the application where it gets kind of sticky uh, to, to really understand how we are to love. And so one of the things I love about being a Christian, it's, it's one of the best things about being a follower of Jesus and also one of the worst. 
is that Jesus makes it really clear to us how we are to give love and how we are to express love. And he connects it with this idea of loving our neighbor. And one of the worst things simultaneously about it is that it's so easy to understand that it requires me to obey it. How many of you know that most of the teachings of scripture, most of the teachings of Jesus, it's not a lack of clarity or understanding that it's so intellectually, philosophically complex that I can't grasp it. That's not the issue. It's an obedience issue. Most of my problems in life are not because I don't understand what Jesus said. It's because I do understand and I don't want to do it. Anybody have kids? You know, most of the stuff, it's not hard to understand. Jack, clean your room. <laughs> he understands it. <laughs> what? Right? And then my daughter, she loves to say, I don't understand. I, 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 or this is a favorite in our, in our household. It was an accident. Right, Jack? Is that true? Yeah. It was an accident. No, it wasn't an accident. It maybe was a mistake of judgment that you made with a clear and rational mind, but it wasn't a lack of understanding. It wasn't an accident. You did this thing because you wanted to, and now you don't like the circumstances or the consequences, but it's not a lack of understanding. You know, when we hear Jesus teach us about love, it's actually pretty clear that Jesus basically tells us to love our neighbor. And how many of you know this kind of, you heard this before, right? This isn't radical to you that Jesus wants us to love our neighbors. But it's really interesting because when you go into the New Testament and you read about Jesus teaching this and telling people to love their neighbors, you start getting all these follow-up questions. Well, who, who is my neighbor? And there's all this obfuscation that goes on because the principle is very clear. It just is very difficult to do it. And so we're talking about loving our neighbors, meeting the neighbors, accomplishing the mission of Jesus. You know, Joy Church exists not for us just to come together as a social club on Sundays. We exist for the people that aren't even here right now. We exist to reach the people in this city with the love and the gospel, to reach them with the love of God and the gospel of Jesus. We exist to bring lost and hurting and disconnected people into relationship with God and with us, right? We want to expand the fellowship uh, of of everything that God is doing. We, we want to reach people in our city, and it's going to happen as we go out and meet our neighbors and connect with the people around us. Now, how many of you know, though, when we start talking about love, and again, the problem is in the application, is there's issues with neighbors. It's not the people out there that we have a problem with. It's the people that are close. And how many of you have neighbor stories? You know, neighbor stories, right? Like situations where you're going, my neighbor is crazy, right? Now, nobody ever admits they're the crazy neighbor. Nobody's ever in a message like this and is like, I'm the person that you tell stories about right here. No, it's always the somebody else, right? But, but every, you know, we've all had situations where when we get close with people in relationship or even in physical proximity with your property lines adjoining, where all of a sudden there's human conflict, right? There's different ideas and conceptions of what's fair and what's right and what's good. You can see the entire human condition in one car ride with my family, with the three kids in the back seat, going from anywhere from our house to anywhere in town. You can see the entire outplay of human condition: jealousy, anger, rage, uh, comparison, insecurity, manipulation, lies. Uh, right? It's all there, and and that's what human we carry around inside of us: the seeds of our own destruction. And when you put two humans right next to each other, it doesn't just automatically work out. Anybody recognize this? So several years ago, we were living in the South Eugene Hills, and I'm going to tell you a, a neighbor story about someone. And uh, next week, I will preview and say this. I will be telling you the best neighbor story ever. 
I'm just going to say these two words, whitey tidies. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Don't miss it. This series is going to be really good, you guys. Not like the junkie series we've done in the past. I mean, this one is going to be solid. We got guest speakers coming in. Our team here is going to bring it every week. It's going to be amazing. So next week, you want to hear this, this neighbor story. But I got one, a good one for you today. So a couple years ago, we're living in the South Hills. And my kids were riding their plasma cars, these little just kind of roller things or whatever. And a neighbor lady that we'd never met before, I don't think had ever, ever noticed her before. She comes up to our door and we had a split level house. So she was looking up into our open door. And our friend Gianna was there and our kids were kind of playing in the, the lot. And this woman comes up and she was incoherently angry. So you know when somebody's so upset that they can't talk, it's like, <gasps> like eyes bulging, like very angry. And so we had to use some advanced translation techniques, you know, to figure out what she was actually trying to say. But what we divulged later, you know, divined from what she was saying was she was mad because our kids were skateboarding. Now, anybody that knows anything about me and my gene pool knows we've never, skateboarding is not going to happen. We lack the coordination. The Schmelzers are a lot of talk. My wife has all the athletic ability. I don't bring any of that to the table. If you put my feet on anything other than solid ground, you better watch out. People are like, do you want to go ice skating? No, I like my wrist bones to be intact. And so what a ludicrous idea that my family was skateboarding. And my kids were like five and three and a baby, one or something like that. So nobody was skateboarding. They were riding like little kid push cars. So she's incoherently angry. She's mad. And then she, she says, she looks up into our house and our friend Gianna was there, and then there was us, and we're a family of five. So there's six people you know, standing in, in view of her. And she looks up and she says, how many people even live in this house? And I'm like, normal amount? You know, I was so offended. You know, I, was, I took off my glove and I slapped her face and I said, I challenge you to a duel, you know? I was mortified, I tell you. And I was like just taken aback, you know? And I was, I just, I don't know. I don't even know how a lot of, aristocracy rose up in me and I kind of elevated myself and I, I said, well, there's five of us in my family and this is our friend and she's visiting and I don't need to justify myself to you. We rent this house, you know? How many of you think when you see other people in conflict, they look ridiculous? And then when you're in conflict, you're like, I'm ridiculous, right? You can't talk, you can't think, you can't breathe. She's incoherently angry. I'm stuttering. I'm trying to justify that we have a normal amount of people that live in this house. We're all, you know, rightfully here. We pay the rent, you know, whatever. And she's like, well, you, you might be breaking the, the, the covenant agreements, the, the, uh, the, the homeowners association. I'm going to be reporting you to the homeowners association. <laughs> no, not that. I mean, <laughs> the homeowners association is going to write you a lot of very ambiguously worded letters. Okay, <laughs> you know, I'm in some homeowners associations. We get nothing done. There, I'm not, don't be worried about a threat from a homeowners association. Unless like Vladimir Putin's in charge of your homeowners association, you have nothing to worry about. So she threatens us, she's mad. We try to kind of like tell her, hey, we're sorry that our kids are playing outside, but we're not really sorry about that because we want them to. Um, so we're sorry that you're mad and we're sorry that you're having a bad day because we're normal people doing normal things. But, you know, we tried to like work it out, but she was very mad. So that ends, it ended poorly. She, she leaves in a huff. We, we weren't angry or anything. We we're just so taken aback. So we kind of tried to do our best. 
Then, you know, my wife and my kids are like, let's be like Jesus. So they made cupcakes. I was figuring out how to hire a lawyer. I'm in there like, you know, who's the meanest, most scummy lawyer I can hire to just take this lady down, guard me from the homeowners association. So they're like, let's be like Jesus. So they made her cupcakes, right? And this is the appropriate moment to go, oh, you know, that's what you should do, right? It's what you need to do. It's what Jesus would do. He would bake someone sugary treats. We go looking for her. We don't even know where this woman lives, but we're able to actually find out because we saw the spire where her cauldron that she brews things where it goes. <clears throat> so anyways, we, we go looking for her and we're knocking on doors and we found this really nice neighbor lady. She comes out in what can only be described as a moo. And uh, my grandma wore a lot of moo's, so I know about moo's. And uh she comes out and she's like, I don't know where that lady lives, but I love cupcakes. And so we made friends with her. So she got a cupcake. So somebody gets blessed, right? When you're going out to love your neighbors, people get blessed. We ended up finding our neighbor that was upset at us. And she was more offended by the cupcakes because she said, I'm gluten intolerant. And how, <laughs> so, so it, it, it didn't go well. Let's just say that. So there we were. And, and I think she felt very threatened that here we were you know, uh, this family with cupcakes in hand, you know, and little kids. And I think she was nervous about the kids. So then she was even more upset and didn't receive our peace offering. And so it didn't go well. And then I think later on, she threatened us again with homeowner association, something, you know, anyways, um, I wish I could say that I was just like Jesus in this situation and that in my heart, I was just, you know, really compassionate for this person and what she was going through and empathetic and trying to understand where, where she was coming from, but I wasn't. I was just kind of like, this is insane. Like, what's wrong with you, lady? These kids are just playing outside. She got mad at our kids again one time and started yelling at them. And so we had to come out and tell her, like, please, you can't yell at our kids. Like, you can yell at us, but you can't yell at them, you know? And it didn't go well, but, but here's the thing. You put human beings, and of course, we think we're right, and she thinks she's right, okay? The good news is I get to tell 300 people every week about my side of the story, so it's really nice, but... <laughs> But she, she obviously has her perspective, and, and I'm sure it's fair in her mind of what she's expecting and wanting. And the issue here that I wanted to bring up in just a humorous way is that when you put people together, there's conflict. And that, that this is where love kind of meets the road, where the rubber meets the road, where love is, is either actualized or it just remains in the abstract. And the, the beautiful thing and the horrible thing about Jesus is that his love that he gives to us is always very actual, but the requirement that that brings into us is that our love be actual and tangible and trackable and not just out there, not just abstract, not just floating in space. And I want to just talk to us today a little bit about the difference between God's job and our job. You see, John 3.16 is a verse that most of us are familiar with. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that verse. And it gives us God's job description very clearly. For God so loved the what? The world. Later on, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to go into this, he tells us that our command is to love God, but also to love our neighbor as ourself. And I think a lot of the problems that we face in the definition and the, and the application of love is when we confuse God's job with our job you see, it's God's job to love the world and it's our job to love our neighbor. That when you take Christian love, the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated but also teaches us in the New Testament, 
that we are to operate in and to live in is that it's neighbor love. It's always very practical and it's always very localized rather than sort of out abstract and out there. Because it's easy to say, oh, we need to love everybody. Yeah, but what about the guy that cuts me off on the belt line when I'm driving to work? What about the lady that comes and yells at me because my kids are riding tricycles or whatever in front of our in front of our house. What about love in those moments? Because that's when it actually matters. Not just how we feel, not just what we think, not just the kind of a general sense of I hope people in the world have a nicer time tomorrow than they did today. That's not the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus is demonstrative. The love of Jesus is tangible. When Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't just sending good vibrations. He was bleeding. And this is the, the difference between real love and what we, what we understand the God of the Bible teaches us and what is actually his intrinsic nature over and against sort of our, the milk of human kindness, this sort of just, you know, love that kind of goes out and floats into the ether, right? In the ether, it just kind of goes out from us. You guys with me? God's job is to love the world. See, you're not Atlas. You can't carry the whole world on your shoulders, right? We don't have the capacity to really handle the problems and the situation of the world. We can't love the entire world. We can't love it in a real way. We can think good thoughts towards the world, but we can't really love and embrace the world. But the arms of God are, are, are capable of encircling this globe. But you know, God actually invites us into this grand project by inviting us to, to embrace our part of his mission by loving our neighbors, by actually loving the people in physical proximity to us. And Dwight L. Moody says this, and I love this quote. He says, there are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us are willing to do little things. How many times do we get a, a sense in a, in a gathering like this of like, man, I want to love people. I'm hearing this message and I want to go do something. But then when somebody says, hey, would you like to help serve coffee at church once a month? Or would you like to like go and work in a nursery and wipe snotty kids' nose, other people's kids' boogers off their face? No, not really, you know? but I just want to see God really transform this city. Well, that's awesome. But how about like helping set up cups? No, I, that's not my gifting. Well, it's not mine either. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, well, you know, I want to do, I want to do something like bigger. Well, sure. We all do. Well, if we work together, we can make something big happen. Right? But it's going to be a bunch of little things. And real love is demonstrated and lived out in those little moments. I got to watch my children. Normally, I don't parent them, but I, this weekend I did because my wife was gone. 24-hour period. Thanks, babe. And uh, it was 24 hours. You know, it's kind of like the show 24. It lasts the whole season in 24 hours. That's what it was. No, we had a wonderful time, but I don't know where I was going with that. This is a recurring thing. I keep forgetting what I'm going to say about watching kids. Oh, I remember. As I was thinking about everything Bethany does on a daily basis because I was having to do it, you know, do the wake up process and the food and the incessant complaining and all of the things that go on with raising kids. And nothing that I did was very big. Everything was very little, but it all adds up to a day lived in service of other people. And so I want us to connect this idea. God's job is to love the world, but it's our job to love our neighbor. And the little things that we can invest in to show love uh, and do that is so valuable. Have you guys ever heard the phrase boots on the ground? Boots on the ground. So in a military strategy sense, you can have aircraft carriers and satellites and missiles and, you know, 
the Air Force can fly over and you can bomb stuff and you can do a lot of demonstration of power. You can have a lot of impact in a military campaign with all of the remote uh, sort of, you know, at least uh, separated a little bit like missile shooting and artillery and all that kind of stuff. But it remains this way, even in, in the 21st century with all of the technology, for you to take and hold territory, you actually have to have boots on the ground, which means somebody some kid from Kansas has to go and get his boots in the sand in the Middle East. Some person from Washington state has to leave the rain and go over to a foreign place and actually stand in that physical location in order for a military to take and hold territory. You got you with me? And the thing is, it's exactly the same in the kingdom of God. See, a lot of Christians want to pray. We're praying for my city. I'm praying for my city. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Good, we should pray. That's like the Air Force, right? Man, we want those jets up there. We want the stuff going on that they do, the support. But guess what? To actually extend and expand and to take and hold territory, you can't just pray. You have to go. And you have to put your feet on the soil. For the kingdom of God to be manifest and established and extended into the physical spaces around us in Lane County, Christian people, followers of Jesus, have to let the gospel that has come to them and the love of God that has come to them. They have to let it go through them and they actually have to go and engage and talk with real people. In other words, we're gonna have to meet the neighbors. You can't just say, well, you know, we're just gonna pray and we're just gonna have services and we're just gonna send good vibrations. That, that is okay, but it's not complete. It's not, the full, it's not everything. We have to be boots on the ground and go into the, into the world and actually lay our lives down for people and actually love people in a tangible way way. Are you with me? Boots on the ground it means laying our lives down. It means going into the in physical proximity with people and actually loving people in a real, trackable, tangible way. Next week, I'm going to tell you the story of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus tells a parable. And uh, it's so rich because he defines for us what being a good neighbor really is. And, and so next week, I, I want you to come, not just for the story about Whitey Tidies, but because we want to learn what Jesus says about what it actually looks like to be a good neighbor. But what's phenomenal, what's, what's incredible about the way Jesus talks about love is that it always is so doable, but so difficult. That it, it, it leaves the realm of the abstract and comes down to the ground level, to the actual and so when we embrace this concept, we, we actually begin to help the mission of Jesus be accomplished in the world by taking our place on the front lines to love somebody, not just be the kind of person that's like, I love everybody. No, if you love everybody, that's fine, but, but actualize it by loving somebody. Actually have that cup of coffee. Actually become a mentor for a, for a teenager. Actually go to the school and volunteer. Actually have a joy group. Actually serve in the kids' ministry. Actually, actually, are you, are you with me? taking our place. But here's the thing. It sounds good, but the reality is love is hard. Living it out is hard, and it's even harder with the people around us. This is one of my favorite quotes by G.K. Chesterton. He said, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies because, probably because generally they are the same people. Anybody in agreement with this? So what did Jesus say about this? Well, in Matthew chapter 22, I referenced this before, but Jesus establishes two directions of relationship. He establishes the vertical, the, the relationship with God, which we need to have because we aren't just 
we aren't just physical beings. We're not even just relational beings. We're spiritual beings. And so we require spiritual uh, renewal and, and resurrection. And we need a relationship with God. That's an aspect of our personhood. But then he also establishes the horizontal, the fact that our life is not just about having a relationship with God, but our faith will actually be lived out in relationship with others. And it says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 33, when the crowds heard him, they were astounded at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him. So he's trying to trap Jesus with this question. He says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, the reason why he asks this question is not because he has good motives. And we're told what his motives are. He wants to trap Jesus. What he wants to do is put him in an unwinnable situation. He wants to get him in a spot where Jesus will say, well, what you really need to worry about is the purity of your hands. And that's the most important commandment because they had 600 to choose from. So this is what you need, to, you need to really worry about. And then they could say, yeah, but you missed this. You know, if you've ever tried to post anything, anything that has the semblance of an opinion or a thought on social media, you know exactly how this works. Because if you say, hey, we should care about evangelism, somebody will tell you, well, what about discipleship? you're not talking about discipleship. Well, no, not currently, because I'm making a point about evangelism and these things work together. But how many of you know, no matter what you say, there's always another side. And so this guy's trying to trap Jesus, which is not smart. It's like trying to beat up Chuck Norris. You know what I mean? You just, you don't do it. <laughs> trying to trap Jesus. And so he, he says, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus says, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. Everybody nods their head. Yes, this is, we know this. You know, we're supposed to love God. That's what a good religious Jew does. That's, that's how you operate as you love God. And Jesus says, but a second is equally important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now this word neighbor gets pulled apart. People give different definitions. It just means somebody who is close to you in physical proximity, who is near to you. That's what neighbor means. He says, love the person close to you, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, I wanna give us just a tiny bit of backdrop here. Why does it say that people were astounded at the teaching of Jesus? Because when I read those verses to you today, nobody like passed out. No one here that I can currently see is astounded. If you are astounded, thank you. That was a very astounding look, Rachel, she got it. Nobody's like really astounded. And you know why? Well, because number one, you've heard this before, but number two, our entire civilization is, is, is rooted and, and kind of grounded on these ideas because you and I have the vantage point of 2000 years of, of a Judeo-Christian worldview influencing Western civilization. So when I tell people, when I speak to you, even if you're not a follower of Jesus or a Christian, you might even think Christians are like stupid and deluded or whatever but you, you still have the benefit of being at this place in time and history where 2,000 years of this concept have been laced into almost everything. So the idea of a hospital is not sort of like astounding to you. But at this time in first century Judea, the idea of a hospital would be completely out of order. Like the Roman Empire, if you were sick or old or whatever, you just tossed out in the street. There, was no, there wasn't a value of, hu of human life. It wasn't the same. The, the, the worldview hadn't been shifted. The, the civilization had not taken on a cruciform shape, the shape of the cross, the application of the teachings of Jesus. Okay, that's a lot, but just be with me here, okay? You good? So we don't, we're not astounded by this, but they are astounded because what Jesus now is saying is, look, you understand that a relationship with God is really valuable, 
but you need to connect what was already taught to you in the law of Moses it's in the book of Leviticus to love your neighbor as yourself, that loving your neighbor is not something just to be applied to other people that are the same ethnicity as you or the same religion, but whoever is in physical proximity to you is deserving of the kind of love that God has given to you. The same way that you love yourself, that self-preservation instinct needs to be inverted. And now you need to actually go after and love other people. Now we know the teachings of Jesus that he gives us more expressions of how we are to love. We're to love like he loved. We're to love in a self-sacrificial way. But he's astounding people because he's introducing a brand new way of thinking. And what he's saying here is, listen, it's not just enough to love God. He's saying, actually, they're of equal importance is the second commandment that the way you love your neighbor is actually an indicator of how you love God. And you can't separate them. These commands are not sequential. Well, if I love God, then he'll help me love people. No, they're parallel. Jesus uses a word here in Greek when the word, we have it as two words in English, equally important. But in Greek, it's one word, homoios, and it means of equal rank. And what Jesus is saying is, here's, here's your answer. It's, it's this commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you, you're forgetting the other side of it, or you need to know the other side of equal importance is that you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he gives us one of the most grand summations of thousands of years of religious knowledge and information. He sums it up and he says, on these two commandments, he says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And Jesus is saying to us, to put it in modern language, if, if I think I'm a 10 with God, but I'm a two with people, I'm really a two with God that I can't really say, oh, I really, really love God, but I'm, but I'm at odds with, or I'm, I'm, I'm not getting along with, or I'm not loving the people in proximity to me. Jesus says, that's not how it works. My kind of love, how to, how to really honor God, how to get a hold of who this God is, and to understand the law and the prophets, and, and to get it, you got to understand that these two things go together, like peanut butter and jelly. How many of you, when you fly on an airplane, you look over, you see the engine, and you're like, I'm sure glad they're both working. I don't like to fly. I don't feel safe. People always tell you when you go on a flight, they're like, flying's the safest way to travel. And I always think, not for the people that die in plane crashes. <laughs> you think about that? <laughs> Statistics? <laughs> you could be a statistic, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to be the, the, the .001. That's what I'm always worried about. Um, anyways, that was for free. Just take that and enjoy it. My personality type likes morbid humor, so forgive me or, or don't. But when you're on the airplane, you're glad that both engines are working because otherwise you'd be flying in a really, really tight spiral right into the ground. And yet a lot of people live their faith out thinking that all they need is a relationship with God. And that, well, as long as I'm good with him, whatever that means in an esoteric philosophical sense, then I'm okay. Well, no, you're, you're not okay. Nobody's okay. Jesus wouldn't even let people tell him he was okay. He said, no, don't call me good. Nobody's good with the father. And you're like, well, how do you fit that in your theology? I'm not even going to try. You're not good. Everything's broken. We live in a fallen world. And the way that we bring God's, what, where his kingdom and his, uh, who he is into this place is we love him, but we also love other people. And you can't separate these. They go together. It's like the, the two engines of the, the airplane that helps you to fly straight. And Jesus astounds people because he's saying, listen, this, is, this really matters, this idea of loving your neighbor. 
And, I, and there's some, I can go deeper on this, but I'm going to leave it because we've got a lot of ground to cover in the series to come and all the, the messages. And I want to encourage you to be here, but I want to leave you today with four takeaways. I want to leave you with four things practically that we can put into place this week to begin to live this out. Because as followers of Jesus, we are called to love our neighbor. And it doesn't matter that it's difficult. It's, it's something that Jesus bids us to follow him into the world to accomplish, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Number one, a takeaway, don't love everybody, love somebody. If you don't get anything else out of today, just get this one. Remember that it's God's job to love the whole world. And you don't need to get all wrapped up in what's happening in geopolitics and what's going on over here in this place over there and all that. Like we participate in God's grand plan for this creation by, by doing what we can do around us. And, and we don't want to neglect and miss the opportunities, the little things that God's put into our sphere of influence on a daily basis. So don't love everybody, love somebody. And I'm not telling you, you don't want to think good thoughts towards humanity or something. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when we talk about love, let's express it in a tangible, trackable, practical way to the people around us. Number two, we need to make room in our lives for loving people. So one of the things that I get convicted about is I'm a preacher. You guys come and hear me talk a lot on Sundays and I can preach messages and say what I, things that I believe are really true and applications of scripture. Putting them into practice is a very different thing altogether. You see, we can all come to church and hear a message about loving our neighbor and we can all agree. Yes, we need to love our neighbor. Yes, Jesus wants to love this city. Yes, good things are gonna happen if people love. But then we actually have to go home and say, my life is a zero sum game. And if I give energy and time and emotion and effort and everything, you know, and it's all exclusively given to my own pursuits and agenda, and I've made no room for others, I've made no room to be sacrificial. I've made no room to have somebody over for dinner. I've made no room to serve at church. I've made no room to serve at my kid's school. I've made no room, no allowance for God to occupy that space. Then what happens is we, we basically live in a cognitive dissonance of we have a belief, but it has no application in our real life. And so what I want to encourage each of us to do is to take stock of ourselves, that which all of our resources, our time, our finances, our energy, right? Our, our focus, realize that we are limited. You don't have people say things like I said the other day, I'm going to give it 110%. Someone's like, that's ludicrous. You can't. You, you have a limited sum of things to give, don't you? Time and energy and resources. And what we need to say is, okay, if I actually believe what Jesus is teaching me, that to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength means that I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, how am I making space and room for that to happen in my life? What are the little things that God's calling me to do? And guess what happens when you give up something that you are currently, that's currently occupied in your life? You do what? You make room for the kingdom of God to now occupy that same territory inside of you. And then you can become the kind of person that can occupy territory for the kingdom. Number three, we need to get good at relationship. Joy Church is a relationship church. We're all about relationships. If you're single, you're like, woo! <laughs> And that's awesome. We want to see lots of young people get married or older people. You don't have to be young to get married. If you're not married, right? We, we, we don't think that you're, you're missing. We don't, I don't know. Was that funny? I don't know. Um, and if you're single and that you don't want to get married, good for you, right? That's great. If, so I'm not saying, you know, marriage is like the ultimate of everything. It's not. But we want to see relationships happen romantically. We want to see relationships happen with hurting people that are lonely 
Most people walk around in quiet desperation. And as a church, we have a focus on relationships. That's why we say that joy groups are the heart of our church. What does the heart mean? It means the center. It means the thing that is valuable, that we guard, that we protect. Why? Because people are the most important thing. You can take away these lights, the screen, the signs, the music. You can take away me. You can take away this microphone that makes me look like a motivational speaker. You can take it all away, and we're still the church if we're here or we're together or we're linked. Does that make sense? Everything that we do is not what makes us the church. It's who we are. People are a priority, and, and we need to think about people first be, before we're thinking about other things. So get good at relationship. Prioritize people in your life. Number four, share Christ intentionally, or I could say on purpose this week. And you can preach the gospel. You can share Christ in so many different ways. And you can use words if necessary, right? There's so many ways to love people, to, to tangibly reach out. Some of the greatest gospel presentations have nothing to do with giving someone the plan of salvation. They have to do with you being willing to lay your life down, like we're gonna talk about next week, to really love someone and then as the relationship is built, then you introduce someone to Christ. But sharing Christ is a process. It's not a, it's not a moment. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a, it's a process that goes on. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Are you guys good? You with me? Awesome. Hey, if you're here today and you are not currently a follower of Jesus, maybe you had some religious experiences in your past or went to church or whatever, um, and that's great, or maybe it wasn't great, but you're here today and you're like, I'm hearing this thing about Jesus. I, I know that I, I need to change. I, I, can't, I can't keep doing things the way that I'm doing, going right now. You know, I can't make you a Christian, but what makes you a Christian is just you trusting that Jesus paid for your sins and that he loves you and that he made a way for you to be reconciled with God. And whatever your situation is, whatever you're currently doing or not doing in your life, your goodness, your badness, all that stuff is really kind of immaterial to the fact that God loves you so much and that he brought you to this moment right here. And this is an opportunity for you to trust in Jesus. So if that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I don't want you to do anything uncomfortable, but I just wanna invite you to pray with me today and we're all gonna pray together. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin and failure to you. I know that I've fallen short of your perfect standard, but I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me, made a way for me to be reconciled with God. I give you my life, all my hope and trust. Come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.